packing up my um, childhood home when my mom was moving, I brought back all of my old diaries from when I was young, um, from about sixth grade through sometime in my sophomore year in college. I wrote in a diary every single day of my life. And so I was cracking up looking at some of these diaries and reading through them, you know, typical young girl's diary. But I also have three brothers, and so I can see that I eventually um, caught on. I've got a Snoopy diary that says, um, no snooping allowed. They all have locks, too, combination locks. Isn't that funny? This is my favorite. It's a Lucy diary, and it says, keep out. But as I got a little older, they got a little more um, mature looking. This has a, a key lock. Um, but it's been interesting going back and reading um, through my teenage years and remembering things that I didn't remember. Some of it is just boring routine of, of life every day. Um, in the early years, oh my gosh, especially sixth grade, it was obviously very important to me to record every day that I shampooed my hair and painted my fingernails. But as I got older, I began to write a little bit more thoughtful entries. Um, and two things have struck me um, while I have been reading through this. One is that it is very interesting to note how some behavioral patterns, some characteristics are still the same from my 16-year-old self to my 46-year-old self from a few years ago. The core of who we are as a character, as a person, it actually doesn't change that much. And that might scare some of you that have teenagers in the house, um, I realize. But the other thing that hit me is that, in contrast, I have actually changed so very much. God has been working hard in my life over time, transforming me more and more into who God sees that I can be. And eventually, as I started writing more mature entries, I, I caught a glimpse of this. And I've actually chosen two entries that I'm going to share with you from my junior year in high school. Wednesday, January 7th, 1987. Today was my mother's 53rd birthday. We took her out to eat, Bamboo Garden Oriental, and gave her a birthday cake and presents. Tari, he's my oldest brother, gave her a microwave oven. I gave her stuff from Laurie's restaurant, spice for tacos, taco sauce. She liked it a lot. It should be useful in warming up coffee, thawing, etc. The microwave, not the um, spices. We had a good a stream of conscious thinking. We had a good basketball practice. I'm finally getting where I know a little where I'm supposed to be. I've scored some points and made some good plays. Exams are coming. Oh, no. Sunday, January 11th, a few days later, I studied about all day long. I'm not going to be as well prepared for my exams as usual, but I'll be prepared. I'll see to that, exclamation point. I had the program tonight at MYF. I finally spoke out for what I truly believe. It might not have been the best program in the world, but it helped me. It was a first step. I told them how God could guide you in your daily life if you just ask him to. He guides mine 24 hours a day. Okay, yeah, so the microwave turned out to be pretty handy, all right. And I've always learned, liked to learn new things. And so I had tried out for the varsity basketball team and had just made the team. And it was way different to actually learn actual plays and positions and really work on fine-tuned skills as opposed to playing pickup basketball in our driveway with the neighborhood kids. But that second entry for me was the one that was really interesting and powerful to read. I don't 
actually remember that day in youth group where I shared my testimony, but what a powerful moment in my life to, to stand before my peers and share my faith in Jesus, that I believed in and needed Jesus every single day of my life. And that seems like a long time ago for someone who now stands up and preaches the gospel every Sunday. Transformation, the heart of God's work in our lives as believers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we are in the middle of our sermon series called Your Next Steps, Discipleship Journey. That's the name of our new disciple-making system that we're rolling out here at Boone UMC and are so excited about. Um, we, I want to share with you the team of folks that worked on this because this represents about a year, almost a year's worth of work. And our team uh, included Rodney and Jana Duke, Doug Kaufman, uh, Gina Holsty, uh, Denise Stanley, Jeff Hodges, Patty, Jeff, Vern, and myself. So this is the team that worked to discern how's God already working at Boone UMC to shape and transform us into disciples? And how might we be more intentional about helping every single person to grow into their relationship with Jesus and with one another? So before I continue, I want to do a couple of things. First, I want to remind us again of our vision statement because this was the guiding inspiration for all of this discipleship work. And I will invite you to, to join me in reading this because Boone United Methodist Church believes God is calling us into becoming deeply transformed disciples who live for the transformation of hearts, the church, our community, and the world. And again, as we look at this statement, we notice the aspirational um, hope is ultimately about discipleship. And this future snapshot is that we all become Jesus-following disciples. But notice the word that's repeated there. It's the only word repeated. We are transformed. Not only are we changed, but we are change agents for the world around us as well. We look, act, and feel differently because of what Jesus has done in us. Now, by the way, this is a series that is, is really important. If you have to miss a Sunday, I want to invite you to go back and listen to any Sundays that you miss. And so a great reminder that the church app, if you will just download the church app on your cell phone, wherever you um, download apps, whether it's the Apple Store or Google Play or the Play Store, whatever it is, I'm an Apple person, not the other one. But wherever you do, download it onto your phone. The middle picture is what your, our screen looks like for a chat church app and there's two speakers in the middle of the screen the one on the left if you click on you can hear all of the past sermons from crossroads uh, the speaker on the right has all of the past sermons from the sanctuary and so the picture on the far right um, shows how the sermons are archived by date and title and so we just invite you if you have to miss to take advantage of this easy um, resources available at your fingertips 
But last week, um, I shared three of our guiding principles that the team used to shape the system. We believe these principles are important and foundational for any discipleship journey. So maybe you remember them. Discipleship is not a program. It is a process of spiritual transformation. Y'all, you're not going to attend a class and become a transformed disciple. It just doesn't work that way. It's harder work than that. Um, It's harder work than that. Secondly, we honor that people are at a different stage of discipleship because it is a journey. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing um, that we're all in different places. The point is we want to help you figure out what is your next step to take a next step and not get stuck or frozen in place. Third, discipleship involves the work of the Holy Spirit and the ongoing commitment of each individual. Today I want to add two more guiding principles for your consideration. Fourth, however, at the heart of it all, God wants something for you, a transformed life rich in Jesus Christ. And we are transformed into disciples when we are in relationship with God and with others. So we don't want you to hear next steps, a discipleship journey, and then think, oh great, what do I have to do now? What box do I have to check off? What hoop do I have to jump through in order to complete this program? No. At the very core of this system is the truth that God wants something for you, not from you. God wants something for you, not from you. What God wants for you is a life that is transformed, that is new, and most importantly, steeped. In Jesus Christ. And we believe that transformation God longs for in us only comes with the work of the Holy Spirit when we are cultivating our relationships with God and with each other. That's how we grow into mature Jesus followers. That's how we begin to experience personal transformation when we more fully love God and more fully love our neighbor. So in order to help us understand, think about this biblical transformation and what it looks like, we're going to study today a passage from the letter to the Ephesians this morning. And I want to invite you to hear selected verses from chapter 4. It's a long passage, so I'm going to point some things out as we go. (coughs) Could you bring me my water bottle? Thank you. So starting with verse 1 with Ephesians 4, thanks. It says this, Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. So that word here is the Greek word klesis, which means a call or an invitation. The New Testament uses klesis to mean um, God's invitation to become members of God's kingdom or to become part of God's family of believers. So when we accept that invitation, we gain salvation we gain those promises of eternal life. Verse 2, conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. A basic assumption in the New Testament is that conversion to the Christian faith actually leads to moral renewal, right? That Part of the transformation that happens is living one's life to a higher moral code than that pre-profession of faith life that we lived. 
then picking up with verse 14. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teaching with deceitful scheming and the tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. Instead, by speaking the truth with love, let's grow in every way into Christ, who is the head. The whole body grows from him as it is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. The body makes itself grow in that it builds itself up with love as each one does its part. So Ephesians points out that part of what is expected of us is to grow up and mature. Just like we don't stay infants our whole lives, right? We grow into children who then become teenagers, who then eventually become adults. Some of us take longer to get to that adult stage in life than others, but no judgment here. The point is that um, not only do we grow and mature physically, but we also grow spiritually, And one of the things that helps us to grow spiritually is to do that in community. The community that surrounds us nurtures us and helps us to grow. So we do not grow up spiritually in isolation. We are the body of Christ. Biblical discipleship involves maturing in Christ while in community with one another. So verse 17 says, I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You shouldn't live your life like the Gentiles anymore. And so uh, it might be helpful to think of the term Gentiles as equaling non-believers. It's not singling out a people group and criticizing them so much as the point is anyone who is not a Christian um, looks like this or lives like this. They base their lives on pointless thinking and they are in the dark in their reasoning. Ephesians says they're disconnected from God's life because of their ignorance and their closed hearts. They're people who lack all sense of right and wrong and who have turned themselves over to doing whatever feels good and to practicing every sort of corruption along with greed. But you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ since you really listened to him and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus. Change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit And clothe yourself with a new person, created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. This is the heart of this passage right here. Maybe you could leave those verses up. That's the heart of the passage. We're seeing a picture forming of turning away from our old life and embracing this new life that's in Christ. This transformation is because Jesus is teaching us a new way to act and live. Then 25, therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work using their hands to do good so they will have something to share with whoever is in need. So there's a whole list of things here that break down, we'll break down in a minute. But just get a sense of the contrast between the old life before Christ and the new life with Christ. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. That's uh, uh, referring to baptism. 
But aside, put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's people. <clears throat> Will you pray with me? We know that our spiritual life is an ongoing journey. Lord, may your word this morning prepare us for new possibilities and help us to bear fruit in your name. Amen. So this chapter of scripture covers a lot of territory. But my hope is that you caught a sense of movement that this teaching portrays, that stagnation is deadly for our faith in Christ. We are expected to grow and change. And I know there's that word that so many of us hate to hear, change. But if you're a Christian, friends, if you believe in God, then you believe in change because it's part of God's created order. It's the whole purpose of Jesus' ministry to bring about change and issue in God's kingdom coming instead of being caught in our earthly existence. And the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is to move and guide us into a life that evolves and is ever more drawn closer to Jesus. In other words, transformation is biblical. We hear the language here and in other verses in Scripture about shedding the old self and taking on the new self, about old wine and old wineskins and new wine and new wineskins, about um, taking, um, put, to put or take off our old life and to put on or to take on our new life like we're changing our clothes. Something new happens in us when Jesus becomes a committed and regular part of our lives, and it should be visible. So this particular passage gives us some specifics of contrasting what is the old life with the new life. So to be helpful, I made a list of everything, good and bad, so that we could kind of see the picture a little more clearly. One list includes vices that we're to avoid, the aspects of our old life that we're to take off or to stop doing or to put aside. The other list includes the values that we are to embrace and cultivate in our lives. So take a look. Vices to be avoided, lying, anger, being open to the devil, stealing, cussing, temper, shouting, slander, false teaching, and I would add deceiving. A lot of those have to do with language and words. What we say and how we say it matters. Virtues to be cultivated, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, these look familiar, humility, gentleness, patience, unity, peace, sharing with others, renewing, listening, and learning. But here's the deal. It's only God's Spirit that can move us from one list of behaviors to the other. Only the Holy Spirit can transform us so that we truly live a new life. One of the most important ingredients that needs to be added into our vessel, into our life, to be transformed is the Holy Spirit, much like the experiment that we just did with children's blessing. We then become a new creation. It's turning our attention towards Jesus that helps us to cultivate those values and to turn away from the vices. And we don't get it right every time. We don't. 
But transformation means that we start to live more into that list on the right and less and less out of the list on the left. Progress, process, journey. Sounds great, but we know this is not easy work. You know that, I know that, Jesus knows that. The problem is our human nature gets in the way. And every time we start to take off those old clothes to put on that brand new outfit that Christ has just purchased for us, we see our favorite pair of old jeans sitting over there. They're so comfortable. We just want to wear them one more day. And next thing you know, we put on the old clothes. The old clothes come back on. The old life creeps back in. This is actually proven by science. <laughs> Dr. Edward Miller, dean of the medical school at Johns Hopkins, Hopkins completed a well-known study for patients who, um, who their heart disease was so severe that they required surgery, surgical procedures. And what he and others discovered is that out of 600,000 patients that underwent bypass surgery, the pain, the trauma, the expense of bypass surgery Half of them, within a few years, their arteries were clogged back up again. Half of 1.3 million people that had angioplasty, which is a, little less, a lot less severe of a procedure, but within a couple of months, their arteries were clogged back up. And why is this? The results from the study show that um, the, the reason was a failure to switch to a healthier lifestyle. They could have avoided multiple serious surgeries and switched the course of the health of their life from the heart disease by exercising and help, uh, eating healthier. But they don't. We don't. Because of our inability or our unwillingness to change our lives. And why is that? But there's hope. I refuse to let uh, our human nature have the last word. I realize that sometimes we look at our lives and we think we are so boring. We don't have a dramatic mountaintop experience that we can point to that shows God's amazing grace of gripping us or some point of transformation within us. And then we think, well, what's wrong with us? I must not be getting it. Or maybe I'm just not important enough for God to reach down and grab hold of me like him or her. No. Don't let that negative speak diminish what might be happening in your life. Sometimes that transformation is gradual and we just don't notice it. Like me going back and reading in my diaries, while I can't point to one specific moment when I gave myself to Christ and my life was never the same again, I can point to multiple steps that I took along the way that show how God has been forming and shaping my heart, my mind, my body to be a fully loving servant for Jesus. That I can show you. Sometimes that happened without me even noticing God is that good. Now, the other thing, though, that some of you might be thinking is, I can't change. It is too late. There's no point. Or, I'm not worth it. No. Don't let that negative speak prevent you from opening up to the Holy Spirit, because it is never too late. And I have proof, sort of. 
Have you ever watched the show Mythbusters? Okay. Jamie Hyneman and Adam Savage have this show on Discovery Channel, and they take um, age-old adages and they apply science to try and either prove or disprove their validity. So one of the episodes, uh, Jamie and Adam tackled the old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And apparently this phrase comes from an English animal trainer back in the 1500s who said you have to train a dog from a young age, otherwise it's too hard to make an old dog um, chase a new scent. So this is a hunting dog that he was referring to. And so Jamie and Adam found a pair of aging Malmutes which apparently are known for being a very stubborn breed. And he got Bobo, they got Bobo and Cece, who were seven-year-old siblings. So in dog years, that's about 50 years in human years. So they weren't puppies, right? Notice I'm not calling these dogs old because this is the year I turned 50 and I refuse to um, accept that I'm getting old. <clears throat> but after four days of working with Bobo and Cece, uh, they were able to prove that English um, animal trainer flat wrong because each of the dogs would sit, heel, lie down, stay, and shake upon command for both Jamie and Adam. Their conclusion, myth busted. You can teach old dogs new tricks. Y'all, we don't have to be confined to our sinful, stubborn, resistant old selves. We can learn new tricks if we let the Holy Spirit inside our hearts, inside this vessel, we can experience new life in Christ. And it happens over time and in stages. And our discipleship team recognized that. And we found names for this uh, transformation journey that, that provides some terms that I hope are helpful for us. Some of us may be exploring and we're just getting started. Some may find ourselves as being in this building category where we're building this foundation of faith and somewhere in that point in time is where we commit to Jesus. Some of us are thriving where we're continuing to grow in our faith. Some of us then are leading, helping to invite and lead others on their journey. When you look at that list, can you place yourself somewhere? Because you notice how there's a progression of growth. So as we listen to the Holy Spirit and we learn more about Jesus, as we pray and we spend time with one another in Christian community, as we worship God regularly and serve others, we move from exploring Jesus to building a relationship with Jesus to living a life thriving because of Jesus, which then causes us to turn around and help lead others on the spiritual journey that we have been blessed with. So I close with one final thought. I believe that we all have a longing deep within us to be our best selves. And although I'm really not a connoisseur of poetry, um, I love how Lord Tennyson captured this. When he says, And as for a man to arise in me, that the man I am may cease to be. Lord, that I might cease to be, so the person you have created within me might rise and shine. That I might get out of the way, so that you can transform me. That I might take off the old clothes of sin, and put on the new clothes of life you so generously have given me. Lord, transform me this day, this month, this year. Amen.